What do those parables we just heard, what do they mean? About the seed growing while the farmer is unaware and about that tiny mustard seed growing to become a great plant. Sometimes Jesus, you know, he explains his parables to his disciples in private and sometimes that explanation is included in the gospel reading, but this time we have to solve the mystery. Of course, we have the Holy Spirit to help us do that. But let's think about those parables. The first one, I'll read it again and ask you to pause and just reflect afterwards and then we'll talk about it. Come Holy Spirit, help us understand. Jesus said to the crowds, this is how it is with the kingdom of God. It is as if a man were to scatter seeds on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day and through it all the seed would sprout and grow. He knows not how. Of its own accord, the land yields fruit. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And when the grain is ripe, he wields the sickle at once for the harvest has come. Help us understand, Holy Spirit. It seems to me that this parable illustrates how our work, how the good we do here and now for the sake of the kingdom is related to the actual kingdom that is yet to come. The seed we plant grows by itself. And we don't understand how that happens. We don't make it grow, we just plant it. And similarly, if we do what we are called to do, we don't actually build the kingdom of God. Rather, we provide material for the Lord himself to build it. Sometimes people mistakenly think that we build the kingdom, but we don't really do that. Rather, we, again, provide material for the Lord himself to incorporate into the kingdom that he is building. Jesus takes what we give him, the good we do here and now as we follow him, as we fulfill our call, and he somehow incorporates it into the kingdom. So we shouldn't sing, let us build the city of God. Rather, we should sing, let us provide material for Jesus to incorporate into the city of God. Now, I realize that doesn't have quite the same ring to it, but it has, <laughs> it has the real advantage of not being misleading. It faithfully describes what's actually happening, which Jesus tells us about in this parable. He takes what we give him and he uses it to build the kingdom of God. Just as God takes the seed, the farmer plants and grows it. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. Into a rich harvest, he builds it. If we don't understand how God works that natural wonder, well, we shouldn't expect to understand how he works the supernatural wonder of building the kingdom of God 
from what we try to do as we live a faithful life. It's a source of wonder. How does God bring about that growth of a plant? And how does he transform the material we provide without any further effort on our part into what will be the kingdom beyond this world? Like the farmer, we know not how. But it really is marvelous to reflect on what the Lord does. Now, what about that parable of the mustard seed? Let's listen once again to the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help us understand. To what shall we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable can we use for it? It is like a mustard seed that when it is sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. But once it is sown, it springs up and becomes the largest of plants and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the sky can dwell in its shade. Come, Holy Spirit, help us understand. Well, here too, Jesus is illustrating the relationship between our work and the material we provide for the kingdom and the actual reality of that kingdom that is to come. And here the point is that the material we provide seems so minuscule, so tiny, almost insignificant. And yet our extremely meager offering is what God asks of us. And if we faithfully give it to him, he will transform it into something far, far greater. And so here too, we have cause to wonder. The tiny seed we give to the Lord becomes something marvelous to behold. It springs up and becomes the largest of plants and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the sky can dwell in its shade. We may think we have nothing much to offer, but in fact, we have everything the Lord asks us to give, everything he needs to build into something great. He takes small things and makes them great. Think about that. We might wonder, well, what can I give? Well, maybe what you can give is a kind word to someone who needs to hear it. Perhaps someone near and dear that you feel too embarrassed to say something really nice and sincere and straightforward to. Like, you know, I really appreciate or I've always admired this or whatever. Something that can make a big difference in that person's life. But it takes a kind of overcoming of our own pride or self-consciousness. Perhaps a sacrifice that makes someone else be able to shine in some way. Perhaps just giving place to someone else at work. Little things, the little things all day long, every day throughout our lives, we give those little things one by one to the Lord and he does great, great things with them. He tells us through the prophet Ezekiel that he takes a tender shoot from the crest of a cedar, plants it on a high and lofty mountain and what happens? It shall put forth branches and bear fruit and become a majestic cedar, we're told. And not only that, but as with the large plant that the tiny mustard seed has become, 
Birds of every kind shall dwell beneath it, every winged thing in the shade of its boughs. In fact, it's interesting that the Lord goes even further than this. In fact, he concludes, all the trees of the field shall know that I, the Lord, bring low the high tree, lift high the lowly tree, wither up the green tree, and make the withered tree bloom. In other words, not only does the Lord do great things with seemingly insignificant offerings, but he transforms what has been disfigured and seemingly ruined. He not only lifts high the lowly tree, but he makes the withered tree bloom. But there's also a warning. If we rely on ourselves, if we think we can bring about the great thing on our own, well, we set ourselves up for a fall. He not only lifts high the lowly tree, but he tells us, I bring low the high tree. He not only makes the withered tree bloom, but he says, I wither up the green tree. But let's not set ourselves up for a fall. Let's turn to the Lord. Let's give him our little offerings and marvel at what he's able to do with them because he wants to turn them into his kingdom. He wants to prepare and has begun to prepare through his own death and resurrection a kingdom that we will find, if we stay faithful, joy in forever together in Christ. And so we have a lot to be grateful for. That's what the psalm urges us to do. It says, and we've repeated together, it is good to give thanks to the Lord. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. And how can we best give the Lord thanks? Well, I think by cooperating with him, by giving him our lives, by cooperating day by day, moment by moment, we're giving thanks to the Lord. And if we do that, we will flourish. The Psalm says that those who do so shall flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar of Lebanon, like that tender shoot that the Lord plants on top of the mountain. As the psalm puts it, they shall bear fruit even in old age, vigorous and sturdy shall they be. It's good to call upon the Lord for healing in this life and helping us to be vigorous and sturdy, but I think as much as that's really important to do and it can awaken faith when people see healings, it's a powerful thing that people aren't open enough to sometimes. Still, the Lord's plan is not to build a kingdom in this world. His plan is not to have everything work out just perfectly for us here and now in this world. He lets us go through some very tough times and he has a plan for us to find joy forever. He doesn't promise to halt the aging process for those who cooperate with him, but to make their efforts bear fruit for the kingdom, where the blessed will enjoy marvelous resurrection life. The just, we're told, will flourish in the courts of the Lord, that is, in the kingdom of God. Now, St. Paul picks up this theme by explaining why Christians should face death with courage. In an earlier verse, he said that if our earthly dwelling, our bodies should be destroyed, we have a building from God, a building, a dwelling not made by hands, eternal in heaven. 
which is really telling us we have the prospect of resurrection life in Christ. Sometimes Paul's point is misread as suggesting that death is somehow in itself a good thing and that getting rid of the body is really something that is a benefit for the supposedly spiritual person. That misreading is perhaps likely because Paul expresses the preference for what he says being away from the body and at home with the Lord. But if you look at the earlier verses, it's clear Paul's not recommending that we aspire to be bodiless, but that we be better embodied. The house that is not made by hands is the body of the risen Christ the principle of the very kingdom that we've been talking about. The body of the risen Christ in whom we wish to be incorporated and that incorporation actually begins even now in the Eucharist. It's very important to realize how important this bodily life that we experience now, that we nurture through the Eucharist and that we look forward to in kingdom is really real. It makes us realize that death is a terrible thing. It's easy to be tempted when your life is not very pleasant, to wrongly intend death, to find arguments for euthanasia or wrongly cutting off nutrition and hydration really tempting. Covering over the evil of death also, though, undermines hope because hope is aimed at that resurrection life of the kingdom where we'll find body, our bodies fully alive in Christ with all the good that we've done incorporated into his kingdom. The resurrection doesn't seem like a real benefit if being disembodied is somehow a good thing, but death is not good. It, it tears the person apart. It's only if we bear in mind that the Lord has for us resurrection life in his kingdom forever that we can handle the difficulties of this world, give them to the Lord as our sacrifice, and find that he's transformed it all into the wonderful kingdom of resurrection life in him that he is preparing for us.